One, two, three. Okay, yeah, that was, that was the best one. The book was better. Happy almost Halloween, everyone. Alrighty then. Okay. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Book Was Better. I'm Kaylee Clark. I'm Taylor Collette. And today we will be talking about the fifth Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. However, before we get right into that, we have a couple other things to talk about really quick. Do you want to get that started, Tay? Yeah, so... um Just a reminder of all of our social media platforms that we're on. We have uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then we just started up recently um, a Pinterest page as well because we, um, a lot of, you know, nerdy stuff is on Pinterest and we're always talking about nerdy stuff. So um, we Lots of graphics and stuff too that we make. We post our original stuff on there and then we also repin a bunch of stuff on there. So if you like Harry Potter or... Any nerdy stuff, definitely follow us on there um, to get your daily dose of nerdiness. Um, but you can find us on any platform at TBWB. Hold on, I blanked there. At TBWB Podcast um, across all platforms. And be sure to give yes. us a uh, like and follow, review, rate, whatever it is on whatever platform. It would be much appreciated. Doesn't take very long, and it helps us out. Helps us out a lot. <laughs> yep. Um, so. You can rate us on Facebook. You can give us a five star on Apple Podcasts. Um, anything like that helps us to not only know that you enjoy it, but also helps to get us out there a little bit more. So, so we'd appreciate that. Also, this is something I'm really curious about. And so, speaking of social media. You can go onto our Instagram or Facebook pages specifically to answer this question that I'm posing now, which is, who do you think is worse, Voldemort or Umbridge? I don't want to influence anybody's opinions. I'm just curious to know what you think. I'm not even going to say what I think right now. I mean, we're going to say what find we out. think later on, but... Later, psh, not right, psh. <laughs> But anyway, I don't want to influence anybody to think one way or the other on what I think. But I'm curious to know. And we'll share the results, of course. But go let us know on our social media at TVWB podcast who is worse, Voldemort or Umbridge. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm curious. And they both Voldemort suck. is the villain of the entire series. Serious? What am I saying? Of the entire series. <laughs> got serious black on the, on the brain, clearly. But um, but Umbridge is pretty dang awful, even in just this one book. Mm-hmm. So um, a couple other things. We have not only a new director for this movie, but a new screenplay writer as well. And I found it to be pretty dang obvious. <laughs> So Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix was directed by David Yates. Screenplay was by Michael Goldenberg and music was by Nicholas Hooper. Also a new person. Yeah, you could definitely tell 
this one took a turn. Yeah, I felt like the the vibe, the transitions or lack thereof. I don't know. This this movie was a little bit harder for me to follow, honestly, and understanding the spans of time and what was happening in Harry's head and it was emotion wise. Like, it just it wasn't very clear. I remember watching this movie and then like after not reading the books for a while, I would watch the movie and be like, wow, this is insane. Then I read the books and I was like, oh, no, it's not that crazy. They just made it seem weird in the movie. Like the whole sequence of events and everything that's happening, you're just like, whoa, what? This is craziness. Like, where is this even coming from? And it makes so much more sense in the book, as we'll get into. Yes. So... I always like to give a small recap for those who haven't read or heard or watched <laughs> the different mediums that you can enjoy. Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. Yes. It's the fifth Harry Potter book. It's Harry Potter's fifth year. Everybody thinks he's crazy because the ministry has made it very clear that they don't believe him that Voldemort is back. And they have sent Umbridge to the school. So the ministry has infiltrated Hogwarts making it awful for everybody. There you go. There's a really crappy synopsis <laughs> of the fifth book and Very movie. basic. But just to get you thinking of the correct storyline before we really get into this. Mm -hmm. So any other announcements or corrections, Taylor, before we jump into it? No. Oh, I have one. Oh. Um, vote. Oh, yeah. That's coming up. I don't care who you're voting for. I don't care what side you're on. Please, please, please. If you want to do absentee ballot, get that in as soon as possible. But please use your right to vote. If you're in the United States and over the age of 18. Yes. That was implied. <laughs> but if you're not in the United States and there's elections going on, please participate. Okay, there we go. I know That's we have some listeners in Canada, so, you know, I want to make sure they we don't feel excluded. We had one in Belgium, too. That was weird. I don't know how they found us, but hello, listener in Belgium. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's jump into it. Yeah. You started last week, so I will start this week. There was a lot in this movie slash book that I want to bring up. For time's sake, I won't bring up everything, but just know that there's a lot that I could have talked about. It's hard as the, one, as the books get longer, yes. it's hard to cover everything because obviously a long book, you can't fit everything into the movie. So there's a lot that we could touch on here, but for sake of time and for not talking your ear off, we're going to cut it down to the major points. Or we're going to try to cut it down to the major points. We will do our best. We'll still throw in some honorable mentions here and there. Yes. So starting with my number three. So the it was big enough to make it into the top three, but not the thing that bothered me the most. Right. <laughs> Is. Quidditch. And I know I talked about Quidditch as one of my grievances for the first one, but listen, it's important, okay? Well, um, especially in this Specifically, book. yeah, right? So, okay, so here we go. I'll just get into it a little bit. First of all, 
This is the year that Ron tries out for the Hogwarts Quidditch team and becomes their keeper. Yes. Nowhere. And and in the movie, there's not even a single Quidditch game. There's not a single Quidditch practice. There's nothing. Yeah, Quidditch may as well not exist. Right? And it, it especially bothers me, too, because... In the fourth book slash movie, there isn't any Quidditch because it was canceled in lieu of the Triwizard Tournament. So in the fifth year, Harry's excited. Everybody's excited because Quidditch is back and it's something to look forward to. And in the movie, they just completely ignore it. Um, But also the fact that this is the year Ron joins the team. It's an additional bonding point between him and Harry because Harry goes out and does extra practice with him and they talk about it, you know, and Hermione doesn't get it. And they, there's even a scene in the book where they're like, you just don't understand. You may understand like romance and girls, but you will never understand Quidditch. (laughs) Like, um, But something else, too, with Quidditch is it's a further tormenting piece that um, Umbridge uses against Harry. And so, first of all, kind of jumping into a different thing, but when Umbridge gives Harry detention, it's not just like that one detention setting where he's carving the words into the back of his hand, right? It's weeks of detention of him doing that. And he misses Quidditch practice. Because he has to go to that detention and she like knows that and like almost does it like gives him more detention despite like the one thing he really enjoys doing. And then later on, when she does, she when she hears just like a little bit of wind that they're starting up the D.A., she puts up that, you know, Inquisitor notice or ministry, whatever. I can't even remember what they're called right now. Um Decree number 25. Yeah, educational decree. Whatever number it is. Um, Number 24. I actually believe it's number 24. It might have been 24, yeah. All clubs, teams, everything has been disbanded and need her permission to be reformed. And that included the Quidditch teams. And she let the Slytherin team reform. And then when the the Gryffindor team tried to reform, she was like, I'm going to have to think about it. Because Harry's on that team and she wanted to further punish him. And it was only reformed because McGonagall and Dumbledore got involved, basically. And then later on, Malfoy taunts and is really mean and awful after Gryffindor beats Slytherin in the first Quidditch match of the year. And Harry and George, and it would have been Fred too, except the rest of the team held Fred back, (laughs) like, attack full-on Malfoy he gets beaten up he's well, like quivering and cowering on the ground Draco specifically calls out like the Weasley's family because there's the whole no, Weasley yeah, is awful. our king thing well he's and he's awful and he's just but then he also again, starts attacking like I talked about Harry's in the first mom. one as well as Draco Malfoy is way worse in the books than he is in the movies but he starts attacking Harry's mom so that's why Harry gets involved so I mean yeah. Draco's like you don't talk about Harry yeah Draco's really pushing their buttons, and so they just snap and they start attacking him. So they it was very provoked. But it, Malfoy just keeps going on. Yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, Umbridge uses that fight on the Quidditch pitch to ban Harry for life from, from Quidditch. playing Quidditch. 
takes away his broomstick. It's locked away in her office. Well, and she also bans Fred and George. Fred Even and George. though Fred didn't mm-hmm. fight at all. She's like, he would have. So both She's you like, and your twin. If they held him back, he would have. So he's going to be banned too. Like, So then Angelina, who's the new Quidditch um, hog, the new Quidditch Gryffindor captain. Yeah, Wood left. Wood graduated. Ticked. And Ginny becomes the new seeker for Gryffindor. Yeah, Ginny's dope. And there's just more, you know, development there between the relationship between Ginny and her brothers and Ginny and Harry and and Ron's on the team still, but not with his brothers or best friend anymore. And it's just different. And again, it's just Quidditch, I really feel just adds more than it just being a game or a sport in in the world. It, it helps bind relationships and build relationships together and gives personality, not personality, but character building mm-hmm. opportunities to specifically Ron, but also Ginny, because you, you learn a lot about her when she makes it onto the team that you wouldn't have known otherwise. And well, it's their first time having to win, really, like the whole tournament without Harry. In like, like, yeah, he was able to play one game before he got banned for life. (laughs) So, I mean, it's really a big moment for Ron because Ron up until that point, I mean, didn't have a lot of confidence. He wasn't that great, (laughs) being honest. And so him and Ginny really have to step up to the plate and win it for Gryffindor. And Ron still isn't great. No. he's And the thing is, and they specifically talk about how Ron's really good until he realizes people are watching him and then he starts making mistakes. Which I get that. But it's like, (laughs) you got to get better and you'll get better with practice is one of the things that like Angelina and Katie even say. Mm -hmm. So, which is why they won't let him resign. (laughs) Yeah, he tries. When his brothers get kicked off. He's like, okay, then I should just resign, right? And they're like, no, you have to. You have to stay. (laughs) So... I don't know. It's just, it's something fun, again, that they cut. It's something that adds character. It helps build more relationships. And I just missed it when the entire fourth one already didn't have any Quidditch. The fifth book actually has quite a bit of Quidditch in it, but the movie erased all of it. Literally all of Um, it. Literally, yeah. They didn't even include a single game. So, well, and and then I think that explains things later on. Right. Like, why doesn't Harry just fly on his broom mm-hmm. to you, you just there's there's more things later on that. Well, and when Fred and George understanding that he's been leave. banned from the Quidditch team and has his broom locked in Umbridge's office and it just explains its context. Right. For further things that happen in the storyline. And when, so. when Fred and George leave, they summon their brooms. And then they fly around and do all this crazy stuff. And part of the reason that they are flying around at that point is to kind of rub it in Umbridge's face. True. So like you said, just more context there. So that's, I won't go into it more than that. But that's a big thing that I think is really missing from the movie. Mm -hmm. Even if they just put a little bit of it in. 
It was just sad to see. Well, it's especially because they do include it in the next one. Yeah. But it suddenly, they like include things from this book in the next one, right? Because it's Ron makes the team, I think, in the sixth movie. I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen it before. So, well, because sure. in the sixth book, he does have to retry out. Yes, but it's just, it's just weird. They, they, but they made it seem one, like he was trying out for the first time. For the first time. He retries yeah. out so. in the next one. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. But yeah. So. Okay. Won't go into more than that. What's your number three? Okay. My number three is another thing that they completely left out. Um, so. Prefects. Um, which. Hmm. Is, are a thing in. At most schools in England. We don't really have them here in America. But um, they have prefects um, at Hogwarts. We have student council. I'd, I'd say it's similar to that. Yeah, it's not the, quite the same. <laughs> They're like student officers. Yeah. Sure. Student council, sure. more or less. <laughs> um, Listen, but it's something to compare them to, okay? <laughs> but fifth year, fifth years are the ones that become prefects. That's when they pick them. And so Harry... Um, he deals with the whole hearing thing at the beginning and he's like so distracted. And then they get their letters and they he remembers, oh, yeah, prefects. And Harry doesn't get picked as a prefect. It's Hermione and Ron that get picked as the two prefects. And it's a really big deal because at first Harry's like, are you kidding me? Like, why didn't I get picked? Like, I'm way better than yep. Ron. Well, and, and it's like Tonks even says like, or is it Tonks? I think it's Tonks that asks like at... A headquarters like at dinner or something after they find out like no it's not tonks it's um king kingsley yeah it's like why didn't dumbledore make potter a prefect you would have thought he'd make potter one right well to, like, and hermione he when hermione comes blah, blah, blah. in she assumes that harry is and then harry's like uh-uh mm -hmm. it's him and so it's this really i'd say big gets all offended <laughs> It's this really big growth opportunity for Harry and Ron to realize, like, no, like, he's not better than Ron. Like, yeah, he's, you know, a little bit, but, <laughs> but like, well, this is Ron's he's had opportunity. More, like, face to face situations where he's faced danger than Ron. Yes. But yeah, it was kind of like, even though I've gone through these experiences, that does not make me a better wizard or a better friend or a better blah, blah, blah than Ron. And yeah, it was like a good growing. So he has to get over that bitterness and then he ends up being genuinely happy for Ron. And then he finds out that his dad was never a prefect. It was Lupin who was the prefect. So that actually makes him feel better, too. He's like, oh, well, my dad wasn't one, so I don't want to be one. Um. And so then, so you find out that they're prefects. Uh, Ron's mom is so excited because Fred and George are the only ones in the family that haven't been prefects so far. And she even says. But she even says, that's everyone in the family. <laughs> yeah. And Fred and George go, what are we, neighbors? Like, <laughs> they're so great. Um, and so they have this big party to celebrate. And the Mrs. Weasley buys Ron a new broom to congratulate him. And that's the broom that he uses to get on the Quidditch team and play Quidditch. And that's, it all ties together. He's all like, um, I figured with the new broom, now he could try out. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And so 
they have this big party. Everyone celebrates. And then once you get to Hogwarts, you find out that Draco Malfoy and Pansy Parkinson are the Slytherin prefects. And so Harry it has to hold back even more against Malfoy because Malfoy is like, I'm going to give you detention whenever I get the chance. Like, and he just abuses yep. his power, really. And so Ron and Hermione have to remind Harry, like, hey, he's a prefect now. Like, you need to be careful. He can screw up your life. Yep. More and so, so than <laughs> off of that, um, with, like, the prefect thing is Percy, who is left out mm-hmm. of this entire movie. Um, He's shown for, like... A hot 10, second. maybe 20 seconds during yeah. Harry's trial. Yeah, the, but it's not but like they explained. don't really explain it. They don't go into it. Yeah. So I'll go into it. <laughs> 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 so essentially when the ministry came out that they essentially don't believe Harry and they think Dumbledore's a crackpot, um, <laughs> Percy sides with the ministry because he's been made Cornelius Fudge's personal assistant so the minister of magic's assistant and percy you know he's all about status he always has been and so he moved out of his family's home he doesn't talk to his family like he totally cut ties his christmas sweater yeah it's like a big deal christmas and so when (laughs) when ron becomes a prefect and percy writes him a letter one night and ron gets it and i mean it's insane it's essentially him saying like congrats on becoming a prefect i'm glad you didn't pull a fred and george also some advice don't like be friends with harry potter anymore because you know he says all these lies about voldemort and blah 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 and so he tells him to cut off all ties with harry potter Mm -hmm. and he's like i know you have to be careful because i'm sure he can be violent sometimes and like all this just total (laughs) garbage and ron is ticked. <laughs> well, and he tells him, like, you shouldn't be in leagues with Dumbledore. This year, there might be a point where, like, you're going to have to choose sides, and you really shouldn't choose Dumbledore's side. Yeah, like, for your Don't future sake. Like, for your yeah. future's sake, you need to make sure you're on the right side. Like, he's like, you should talk to Umbridge. She's such a great person. Like, such a great... You're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> And Confide so he, in her and Ron just gets angrier and angrier as he, he ends up letter. throwing the letter into the fire and it just burns and he just ignores Percy because it's just a load of baloney. But it's very Harry thinks it's funny. <laughs> yeah, Harry laughs. Um, He's all like, if you want to cut ties with me, I promise I won't get violent. <laughs> <laughs> and even Hermione's in shock. She's like, oh, my goodness. But I think it's interesting that they cut out all the prefect stuff and all the stuff with Percy because in later, like the next couple of books, as like at the end of this one, when they like the ministry has to accept that Voldemort is back and then Percy essentially has to get his foot out of his mouth and try to make amends with his family because he's like, oh, you guys were right the whole time. Mm, and it maybe takes, I shouldn't have been so blinded by status. <laughs> it takes almost until the seventh one, I feel like, before they're fully reconciled. Yeah, I agree. But it all stems from this and with the prefects going on. And so and then in the end, uh, just wrapping up my point, 
Harry, when he's having the long discussion with Dumbledore, one of the things that comes up is Harry's like, why wasn't I made a prefect? Because he's curious, because honestly, most people thought he would. And he mm-hmm. feels like he deserved it. And it's not that he doesn't like Ron. He's not happy for Ron. But he's just kind of curious. Like, Dumbledore, what the heck? And Dumbledore says, like, I didn't want to give you more on your plate. Because, like, you already had so much going on. He Dumbledore just thought it better to give it to Ron and let Harry kind of have a break there. Yeah, Ron, uh, not Ron, Harry didn't need any more responsibility or looks or, yeah. Attention, anything because like that. Because it does that. talk about in the book a lot where Hermione's able to take it all in stride, but, like, Harry and Ron both struggle because fifth year is the year of their owls, which is, like... Don't spoil it, that's my next maybe point. Maybe consider it to, like, ACT. Okay, fine. <laughs> well... Anyway, um, lots of uh, my point was just lots of homework. So they were they get buried under homework a lot. And then on top of that, Ron had prefect duties. So he was like and Quidditch practice, Mm -hmm. which also was cut, you know, to build on my last point, too, where it's like Ron, uh, Ron stays on the team when Harry gets kicked. So Ron has prefect duties, Quidditch practice and all of this homework. And it's like Harry felt buried. Ron was really buried. Yeah. So and Harry had so much going on. What with everyone, like not sure if they believed him or not. And then he also had to deal with just Oc- being Oc- Harry Potter. Lumency lessons. <laughs> and then with yeah, dealing Snape. with Snape and then dealing with Dumbledore ignoring the, him and dealing with And his, his weird dreams. Yeah, he had a lot going on already. So but it was an interesting conversation, like part of the conversation not that, that the he movie had. portrayed any of that very well because no. the movie did not portray Harry well or no. explain. Oh, it's so bad. The connection with Voldemort very well. It ah, it just it just confused you more, in my opinion. It was cringy. It was weird. <laughs> it's the only the word I could think portrayed of. It. I get it's harder. I and I'm, I'm trying. I, like I get it. It's hard to portray the subtleties like that. Like subtlety of like emotion and like a invisible connection and why he and and Harry feeling Voldemort's emotions at odd times where they didn't correlate with how he should have been feeling. And Mm -hmm. but they just I just I kind of feel like they kind of just gave up and didn't even try other than having Daniel Radcliffe do weird like neck movements. Yeah, I hated that. I was like, that's not. One of the worst not, portrayals no. of Harry Potter. That's not what it is. I would say. Like, yeah. So, anyways, I just, yeah, so that's, that's my number three is I wish that they had included prefix at least a little bit. I think it very easily could have been something that they touched on. They didn't need to include the big oh, party, sure. but they easily could have said like, oh yeah, Hermione and Ron are prefix. And Harry could have been like, oh, what? Okay, cool. And like, it could have been this whole two minute thing instead of having these weird scenes with Harry doing his weird neck stuff. <laughs> um, well, and there's just, they cut out that stuff and then instead, yeah, it's just, it was just weird. Anyway, we don't have, we don't have time to talk about everything. I'm going to move on. <laughs> yep. What's your number two? Okay. Number two. My number two is... How they completely left out the Rita Skeeter art article. Mm, yeah, this is an interesting one. I I feel like this was so big and pivotal in the book and in the movie. I feel like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
when people start suddenly believing Harry more, mm-hmm. Seamus just out of the blue goes, sorry, I believe you now. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, and in the book, there's this whole thing with Harry meeting with Rita Skeeter and Hogsmeade at the three broomsticks with Hermione and Luna because Luna's dad is the editor of the Quibbler. Did they even explain that at all in the movie? Um, they have Luna holding the Quibbler upside down in the carriage at the beginning of the movie. And like, that's it. That's it though. They never mentioned that it's her dad that runs it. No, (laughs) but, uh, anyway, so they have, Harry, Rita, Luna, and Hermione. And Hermione basically is still blackmailing Rita <laughs> into hey, she not writing it. falsified articles. And so then she technically blackmails her into writing a very true stick to the facts article slash interview with Harry about what he experienced and saw when Voldemort returned in June. Which, up until this point, Harry's been very quiet about it. He really doesn't talk about it. Everyone's super curious. Like, all the kids in Dumbledore's army are like, uh, like, what happened? And over and over, he's like, if you're here just to hear me talk about Cedric, you're going to be disappointed because I'm not going to. (laughs) Yeah. And so, Um, it's like, you know, it's kind of a big deal that he's talking about this. In, like, a public interview. (laughs) And it answers a lot of people's questions. And he even says, when he resigns himself to doing it, he says, I get that this is something that a lot of people want to know. So if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And this way, hopefully, I can talk about it now. And then hopefully won't have to talk about it again. So he goes into, like, really big detail with Rita. And Hermione's there to like keep her in line while this is going on. Yeah, and Hermione's just pulling the strings. <laughs> Hermione's awesome in these later books. Mm-hmm. She's just great. She has to put up with so much crap. Yeah, she does. Like Ron <laughs> and Harry are 15-year-old boys. They have 15-year-old boy tempers. And she just has to be like, stop taking it out on me. <laughs> yeah, but she also doesn't have to deal with it alone like she does in the movies. Yeah. Because in the books, Ginny and eventually Luna as well, like there are other it's in the movies. It's shown just the three of them a lot. Whereas in the books, they have more friends. They're normally accompanied by also Ginny or Neville. Neville a lot, actually. The twins are there a lot. Dean. Dean Thomas like believes Harry right off the bat. So yeah, Dean believes him from the beginning, even though Seamus doesn't. And Seamus comes around and. Okay, but anyway, back to my my main point. Anyway. So she writes this interview article. It gets published in The Quibbler because Luna's dad and Luna both also from the beginning say, we believe you, Harry. We've always felt like The Prophet was like a rubbish newspaper, blah, blah, blah. Well, something that you also don't get, sorry, with The Quibbler is The Quibbler, though, isn't necessarily known for its like true articles. Well, not necessarily. No, I wouldn't say not known for its true articles, but it's known as being, yeah, weird and far-fetched. Because they say, like, that, like, essentially, 
at the beginning, Harry takes the quibbler from Luna in the carriage or in the train car and he reads some of the articles and one of them is like Sirius Black isn't really Sirius Black he's this singer guy and he's totally innocent and there's another article that's like Fudge you know has a secret what was it he like he's secretly having goblins murdered and assassinated he like drinks their (laughs) blood and like it's like Harry's like it's got conspiracy (laughs) theories in it yeah it's it's like the conspiracy theory Magazine. And Luna, like, will just, like, spout stuff off. She'll be like, well, you know, because... Well, and you see Fudge that is, a little bit. She's all like, it keeps away the Nargles. And everyone's like, what the heck is a Nargle? But she anyway. was like, you know, Fudge is worried about Dumbledore having an army, but he has his own army of these weird, like, fire ghost fire spirits. spirits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, like, what? They don't exist. And she's like, how would you know? And yeah, she's and like, Luna, where's the proof? And Luna I think and Hermione, it's funny when Hermione's like, where's the proof? I haven't seen them <laughs> When it's like she's also trying to encourage people to believe Harry without physical proof. proof. Yeah. It's just kind but of Luna a funny and Hermione don't get on super well in the beginning. Well, but also they meet Luna Lovegood on the train to Hogwarts and it's Ginny who introduces them, not Hermione, because Luna is a fourth year. So Ginny is the one that shares classes. Well, with and Luna. Ron and Hermione are in the prefects cabin. So it's just Harry with Ginny. And then they run into Neville and they're like, and then I can't find with a Luna. train car. And then Ginny's like, oh, we can sit with Looney Lovegood. And Neville's like, oh, OK. <laughs> However, Neville does have that weird plant called a Mimbalus Mimbletonia. Mm-hmm. And they did keep him having his weird cactus plant thing he in did. the movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> but anyway. Back to my original. Sorry, I digress. (laughs) These are all other things that we felt were weird that they didn't do the right way. But anyway, so Rita writes this article and it goes in the quibbler. And he gets a copy, a free copy, right? Luna's dad sends Harry a free copy when it's published, as well as a ton of quote unquote fan mail and Harry and Ron and Hermione and Luna and the twins and Ginny basically all just start ripping open all these letters. And they're like, no, oh, this person thinks you're crazy. Hey, this person believes you. Hey, you converted this person to be a believer. The Voldemort's back, blah, blah, blah. And it attracts Umbridge's attention. And Umbridge comes over and is like, um, what are where are all these letters from? And George is all what, is it a crime to get mail now? (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) And I'm just like, quiet you or you'll get detention. And it's just like, oh, I'm just the worst. But basically, Harry then just tells her, he's all like, I did this interview and the blah, blah, blah. And she's furious. She, you know, knowing that Harry did the interview at Hogsmeade, says that he can't go on any more Hogsmeade trips. She is And then immediately bans the quibbler from Hogwarts, which of course, then drives everybody in the school to immediately want to read it. Gotta love teenagers. <laughs> so they so they do. Oh, and another thing to point out, too. In this article, Harry names the Death Eaters that were in the graveyard. Yes. By name. So Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle all are like, crap, our dads have been called out. Well, and McMillan and, yeah, and, and still McNabb, after like, reading the article, yeah, not everybody believes him, but more people start believing him. 
Mm-hmm. Which is, this is when Seamus apologizes and says he believes him now. And he's like, I even sent a copy of it to my mom to read. And this is what kind of turns people's attitude toward Harry. And in, in the movie, it's just completely left out. And I don't know, I felt like this was like a really important thing in the book to not include. Well, like and not even really. And hint then at. once it comes out that Voldemort really is back. Once the ministry can't deny it anymore, they actually reprint that same interview in the Daily Prophet. In the Daily Prophet, yeah. So at that point, it's like, okay, this is legit. And Rita is all happy because she's published again and blah, blah, blah. But but yeah, so that's my number two. Sprinkled with a couple honorable mentions. <laughs> yes, right. It just, it spirals. <laughs> can't help it right (laughs) okay so my number two which you almost spoiled (laughs) i'm sorry i just touched on it a little bit (laughs) it's all about the owls which is another thing that they like kind of touched on but like not to the degree that it's talked about in the book they only touch on it in the sense that they're sitting in the great hall taking a test and on the board at the front says owl taking in in progress when fred and george like Burst in with the fireworks and stuff. Yeah, so it's totally different. Otherwise, you really don't know what they are or what's going on. And, like, that's not even how a lot of the tests are. A lot of the tests are practical. Um, Yeah, but that's something that Umbridge, like... Is anti. Yeah. Um, And so, starting off at, like, the beginning, so they get to school and they're, like... Everyone's like, oh, be prepared. Like Fred and George are like, oh, you guys are going to die this year. <laughs> like this is your owls year. It's going to be tough. Good luck. It's going to suck. And have fun. <laughs> Harry and Ron are like, eh, it can't be that bad. Eh, we'll see. Hermione, you know, she knows what's coming. But they go to their classes and they are. They're just slammed with homework. Every single class. It's tons of homework. And it continues throughout like the entire year like that. And so Harry, he has detentions. He's trying to get all this homework done. I mean, you mentioned it before. He was overwhelmed already without being a prefect. And so all this is going on throughout the year. They're super stressed. Another thing that happens your year of your owls or OWLs is you do a career assessment essentially. Mm-hmm. So you meet with your head of house, which you, would be McGonagall yeah. in their case. <laughs> so they meet with McGonagall one-on-one and talk about essentially what job they might want to go into. And in order to go into that job, what owls they need to get, what classes they need to continue to take in the future, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And Harry wants to become an Auror. And that's like the only job he's ever really considered, it says in the book. And so Which is basically a dark wizard catcher hunter thing. Fighter. Yeah. Hunter person. Dude. Um, and so he talks to McGonagall and McGonagall tells him like he needs to do well in potions because he has to take potions the next year in order to become an Auror. And he is super upset by this because he hates potions and he doesn't want to take any more classes with Snape. But he has to. And so he has to study super hard for that one. And the main reason that they start Dumbledore's army is because it is their owl's year. And they're like, 
the stuff that she's teaching us is going to be pointless on the exam. It's like we need to use the spells in the exam. Yeah, because like you said, the exams are practical. Hermione even says that in Umbridge's first class in the book. Yes. Where she's like, the tests are practical. How are we supposed to pass our class if we haven't practiced all year? And Umbridge is just like... If you study the theory hard enough, you should be able to do it. And Which it's like, is a load that's of not how spells work. Baloney, <laughs> but. So that's the main reason why they start up the DA is in order to prepare better, better for the owls. And Hermione's yep. like, Harry should be the one to teach it because he's already so good at this. Which is then proved in the actual owl exams when they get their results back. Because Harry, the only subject where Harry does better than Hermione is in Defense His Against defense the Dark That's the only one that he gets an O for outstanding in. The rest, he'll, like, you know, he passes most of them. He, they get seven owls. They don't pass, Ron and Harry both don't pass Divination and History of Magic. Which they're not required to continue taking to become an Auror. So they don't really care about it. Because Ron's also interested in becoming yes. an Auror. That's something else that they've kind of talked about it together and and they like ask Hermione and she's all like, um, I'd like to do something more worthwhile. And Ron's all like more worthwhile than catching dark wizards. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and she talks about spew a little bit there, too. Um, mm -hmm. But it's this whole thing throughout the year where owls are this looming presence and it's actually during the History of Magic owl test that Harry passes out and has a dream about Sirius. It's during one yeah. of his owls. It's not during the whole thing with Fred and George. Yeah, no, that's not correct at all. Yeah, he's like mid-test and he just passes out and has this dream and then leaves. So it's no wonder he didn't pass his History of Magic one because he didn't even finish taking it. Nope. <laughs> so... But with the owls, I just, I really wish that they had shown even just a little bit more in the movies, like how crazy it was and how stressful it is. Because I, I think mm -hmm. it makes it more relatable as a more like a school environment. It's like you said, it's kind of like in America, we have SATs or ACTs that it's like a big deal because that kind of determines what colleges you can get into, stuff like that. And so yeah. for them, it's like this big deal. And when I was in high school and I was, you know, rereading these books like I always do, I could relate to it so much because I was like, oh, man, yeah, it's a crazy year. So stressed mm -hmm. all the time. <laughs> so even if they had been able to show like little clips of just doing homework late into the night, and little bits well, because, and pieces. Yeah, it's that added stress of also having no sleep. Mm-hmm. Because it talked about all the time how Harry was up till two in the morning, one in the morning, way past midnight because of detention and then having to finish his homework still. Yeah, because he would get back from detention at midnight some nights and then still have two hours of homework left or three hours. Mm -hmm. And he'd fall asleep in the common room because he was so exhausted trying to get his homework done. It was a crazy yeah. year for them. It's no wonder they all have short tempers. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's stressful. You're exhausted. You're a 15 year old. You need your sleep and you aren't getting it. And you're channeling the Dark Lord's emotions. Yeah. Yeah, Harry had a rough <laughs> You're going to be a little short tempered. 
I feel like so many people hate Harry in this one. And if you just watch the movie, I totally get it because he's so yeah. annoying. But in the book, they take, you he, get it. Because like he's <laughs> angsty. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. He's definitely angsty. And he is an annoying teenager at parts in the book. Yeah, he's but 15. he's still also lighthearted and he still does kind of joke around mm-hmm. with like Harry and Hermione. Not Harry and Hermione. Ron, Ron and Hermione, Hermione at different points. And the movie just doesn't portray that very well at all so yeah so yeah that was my number two just wish there'd been more about the owls say that well not to mention too because they do in later books and or movies crap my ipad's dying again (sighs) my children kill it okay um (laughs) like they talk about like the scores you need to get and i don't know i i thought it was really interesting like their grading system, yeah, it's like an O for outstanding, an E for exceeds expectations, exceeds expectations, and A for acceptable. Um, then what is it? Uh, A for acceptable. I know there's a D. Yeah, but there's one above D. There's yeah. one above D. Yeah. Then there's oh, it's T for terrible. Mm-hmm. Then D for Dreadful, I think. Yeah, dreadful. And then T for troll, or and then T for troll, or something. We're not sure if that one's real because it's Fred and George that say that, and Harry's not sure if he should believe them. It's just kind of funny because when they're like, "I got an A," like an A to us is the best grade you can get. An A to them is not. (laughs) Yeah, it's right. (laughs) So, it's the barely passing grade to them is A. So it's like a C to us, like passing. Yes. <laughs> Which is what so. Harry and Ron get in most of theirs. It's what they strive for. <laughs> They're like, as long yes. as we get an A. <laughs> but the thing with another thing, though, that I just thought of Snape says, like, uh, towards the beginning of the year, in order to make it into his six year class, you have to get at least an E on the potions, Owl. And yeah. so Harry is relieved that he gets an E on that one. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know how I did it, but I did. <laughs> um, so again, that's, that's just more, right, like character building, giving the characters more depth, giving a, a, a perspective and a look into their lives beyond Hogwarts, their, what they want for oh, their wait. futures, you know, their aspirations and interests. I just remember something. I don't think Harry does get any on that one. He gets an A on that one, and he's super bummed, and then next year, Snape ends up not teaching potions, and so he's able to take it anyways. Sorry, I just remember that. Spoiler for the next one. I think you're right, too, yeah, because Snape finally gets the Defense Against the Dark Arts position in the next one. Oops, spoilers. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, it, it does. It makes Hogwarts more of, like, an actual school, not just this place where crazy stuff happens. It Exactly. It's not just a setting for their adventures. It's a school. Yes. For their futures. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Numero uno. Well, let's do some honorable mentions first because I have a couple, but I'll try to be quick about them. I was going to say, we've we've kind of been doing them throughout, which is why I was like. But there's a big one that I definitely want to touch on and then a couple of small ones that I can just knock off really fast. 
Okay. Like That's the, true. I do have a couple more things that they, I'd like to mention too. They left out Dobby entirely. Again. That's what, that's what I was going to say. Dobby's actually the one that tells them about the room of requirement. And um, Dobby, I don't know. Dobby's just awesome. Wait, this isn't long enough. I need an extension cord or something. <laughs> Sorry, Derek's helping me. Save your iPad. iPad. <laughs> yeah, it was at 70%. And it's died this quickly, which is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Dobby's not in it. But, yeah, Dobby's not in it, and that's important. The fact that Ginny has a boyfriend is totally left out, and that's the only reason that she, like, talks to Harry like normal in this one is because she's essentially gotten over him. (laughs) And it's become normal. Yep. Yep. Um. Okay. Well, I, I think we should also mention that Umbridge is awesome. Yes, they did an amazing. Well, she's not awesome. She's terrible. But the actress well, but who like, portrays the her. actress for her is perfection. Yeah. And the pink and her office with the cats and all the pink and the doilies and the fluffy. They did a really good job there. It's all pristine. Mm-hmm. Um, bummed that they didn't include Lockhart. Yeah, so let's real quick, St. Mungo's. St. Mungo's hospital for, in general. <laughs> so after Arthur Weasley is attacked, in the movie, the next thing you see, he's like at home for Christmas. But in the interim, there in the books, uh, they go and visit him at St. Mungo's. Which is the whole reason they celebrate. Oh my God. Derek. Okay, let's take a time out while I do this. Okay, cool. Back at it. Okay. Okay. St. Mungo's. St. Mungo's. The whole reason they celebrate Christmas at um, Grimmauld Place instead of the borough is because Arthur is not well yet. Yeah. <laughs> and St. Mungo's is in London, and so is Grimmauld Place. Like, yeah. you don't get any explanation or... It's just weird in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So they go a couple times. And one of the times that they go, they see a couple different people, one of which is Lockhart, which you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Gilderoy Lockhart, who had his memory obliviated so badly that he has to be hospitalized. He's in one of the more like permanent resident wings. Because his memory, he like doesn't remember anything for that like super long periods of time at this point. And so he doesn't remember who any of them are, doesn't realize he's met them before. He still doesn't really know who he is. No, it's pretty hilarious. Except that he <laughs> likes signing autographs. Yes, he remembers that. Um, but then the other people that they see, they see Neville with his grandmother visiting his parents, which, again, you never learn about this in the movies. But they Again, they hint at it where they like, show his parents in that picture. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like the same. It's not ex- explained yeah, well. Because they're in that same permanent resident ward. Because they because were tortured so badly. Tortured so much. By yeah. Bellatrix Lestrange that they, they have permanent brain damage and they don't even recognize Neville. They can't do anything for themselves, really. It's super sad. Yeah. And it makes, because Harry already knew about it, 
from being told because in the Dumbledore past. told him. But Ron and Hermione didn't know because Harry never told them because Dumbledore told him not to. And so when well, they he made him swear he wouldn't, <laughs> when they find out, it really puts Neville in a different perspective in their mind, and they like definitely feel bad for him, but they also you know respect him for trying and pushing through and. Like, trying to be brave well, for his parents. Speaking of Neville, leading into, in the DA, in the movie, they make it look like Neville's struggling really hard. And that it takes him a really long time to, like, finally be able to do the, like, beginner's jinx of, like, Expelliarmus. Whereas in the books, it specifically mentions that other than Hermione... Like, Neville's one of the first to get things, and it's obvious he's working really hard at them. And that scene at St. Mungo's kind of puts that into light, where you see that, like, Neville lost his parents in a way, not in the same way as Harry, but he, you know, lost his parents because of the dark arts mm-hmm. and Death Eaters and Voldemort. And it it kind of puts in perspective why in that field... He tries so hard and it clicks and he gets it because he knows firsthand the importance of it. Well, and he also at one point saw his grandfather die. And so in addition to Harry and Luna, Neville can also see the Thrustrals, Mm -hmm. which they don't really explain in the movie. And he and Luna can as well as Harry can also hear voices coming and see the mist in, in the, the archway. veil room thing. They can see the veil in the, yeah, in that Department archway. of Mysteries. Yeah. So Which, poor Neville, again, always again, getting shafted here. Harry in a weird way in the movie. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> speaking of the movie, can we just touch on really fast, when they initially take Harry to Grimmauld Place and they're flying on the brooms, they just fly willy-nilly through all the muggle towns. Oh gosh. Millions of people Laughing, see them. Having like, a fun time. It's so poorly done. Whereas, it, well, it, it's not poorly done when you look at it from a movie perspective where they wanted it to look cool and entertaining yes. and fun. But, but it's in so book, inaccurate. <laughs> Moody is like, he, he took them really high up into the sky, so they were, like, covered by the clouds. It was freezing. He kept making them change course. They, like, flew over Greenland or something. Well, and he like- was like, okay, now we're going to double back and then come back. And it's finally Tonks going, we are frozen. We're not doubling back. Just go. <laughs> we're just going to go there now. Yeah. That part always bugged me whenever I watched the movie. I was like, this is so wrong. They would never do this. So, Tonks was great. Tonks was really well done. I really like her. I wish they had included a little bit more and explained a bit more that Tonks is Sirius's cousin. Well, all of Sirius's family tree isn't like super well explained. Like the fact that he's no, and related that scene to itself was kind Narcissa of weird, and to Bellatrix and to. So, yeah. So the fact that and you kind of later learn right in later movies that Bellatrix and Narcissa, which is Malfoy's mom, are sisters. But yeah. Tonks's mom, Andromeda, is also one of their sisters. Mm-hmm. But she married a muggle, and so she was essentially, like, thrown out of Disowned the family. Disowned by the blacks, yeah. same as, like, Sirius. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't follow the pure blood line and... 
tainted the blood and blah, And you blah, learn blah, about blah. Regulus in this book a little bit. Mm-hmm. Who obviously comes back as a very important character in the seventh. <sighs> yes. Well, and in the sixth. Yeah. Yes. He gets brought up more. Um, you know who wasn't represented well? Cho Chang. <laughs> this is one that almost made my like. I almost talked about it as my top three. She also, was, it's not even. Uh, she was not shown well. She was whiny and. Well, they completely chose not the one that squeals, quote unquote. It's her best friend who does. Yeah, they totally left out Cho's best friend, who is the one that actually gives away Dumbledore's army. Not Cho. And she only joined Dumbledore's army because Cho made her. Because, yeah. But like it, Cho and Harry go on like dates and. Well, and it shows them actually like breaking up for a good reason rather than just like, oh, you told on us. I'm not and talking to you talk anymore. Again? Like, no, they go on a date on Valentine's Day to Hogsmeade and Cho essentially just wants to talk about Cedric. And Harry's like, I don't really want to talk about Cedric that. anymore. Yeah. And she gets all in a huff about it. And Harry's like, I don't, I don't think that this is going to work. <laughs> like, It's just and then not. Harry's like, OK, well, I told Hermione I would meet her. At the three broomsticks, and then and then she's all, show gets you told mad. Her my, another girl on Valentine's Day that you'd meet them. Blah blah blah. Like, like she's more of a typical fifteen-year-old girl who's like mm-hmm. you know in her, her one of her first more. relationships and just went through a traumatic experience. And you're like, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I cut her some slack because she has had a rough time, but it just makes more sense. Their relationship happens more naturally. It ends more naturally. So then in the next one, when Harry moves on so to speak to his next relationship it just it's smoother it makes more sense it yeah yeah okay um there's more we could talk about but we got to move on yeah for time's sake oh one more one more thing in the movie unless i'm wrong i'm pretty sure you never find out that it's umbridge who sent the dementors at the beginning oh yeah you don't (laughs) yeah so it's like in like, how do you not like how that's not such a big additional <laughs> thing, right? That like Umbridge is the one that sent them to try and get him expelled in the first place, and it just explains so, so much. much more of her behavior and why. Like she hated Harry from the get go. Yeah, like why she's been out to get him all year. It's like she was out to get him before school even started. Like, yeah, because I mean, in the movie you could kind of assume oh well maybe it was Voldemort who sent them like maybe they are like maybe the Dementors are already on his side and it's like no no they're still under the ministry's control at this point but it came from Umbridge who was within the ministry and it's Dumbledore who even says in the trial like okay then you I assume you're going to do a full investigation at the ministry then because someone you're so sure that they're still under ministry control that means that somebody at the ministry must have sent them there. Why would they have done that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And in the movie, it's and like. We talked about this mm-hmm. before, but Dumbledore's characterization is so bad. So in these bad. 
that we don't need to get into that. I could Again. go on and on and on. I have on gone on and on. You <laughs> have, yes. Um, so, yeah, that was just one last thing I wanted to touch on. With... Okay, no, yeah, that was a good one. We That, that was one we needed to bring up. Yes. So. That's, like, at the top of my notes, so I forgot that it was there. <laughs> yes. Um, do, in the movie, correct me if I'm wrong, do we ever learn about why Luna can see the thrustrolls and stuff? Um, we know in... It, I don't remember specifically. No, yeah, she does. She talks about her mom dying. Okay, mm-hmm. does she, she talk about, about seeing her mom die? Yeah, about how her mom essentially blew up in front of her. Yeah, it it, it happens in a scene in the movie that doesn't exist in the book, but she does talk about oh, it. Oh, okay. Her and Harry, like, going into the forest and, like, feeding them. Oh, that yeah. That doesn't happen in the book. No. <laughs> That's, that doesn't happen. But. Why do they do that? Okay, number one. <laughs> okay, number one. Go, go, go. All things serious. That's oh, my number one. Serious. Okay. As I've talked about before, <laughs> I really like the actor. I'm not coming for the actor. I'm coming for the way he was written. I'm coming for the way that the like people cast him. Because again, number one, he's too old. I, I'll try not to keep harping on that, but again, it's a big pet peeve of mine. So I'm gonna bring it up. Um, his characterization in this just isn't right, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, a bunch of really important scenes, I think, with him were left out. And then other weird so ones were added all, in. Yeah. So Sirius is still a bit a bit of a rebel. He's, you know, but he's still he's very much not big on following rules. He really only listens to Dumbledore out of respect, but he's very clearly unhappy about it. Um, In the book, it talks about how he has these mood swings because he'll like be really happy that he finally has company in the house. But then when he remembers and realizes that everyone's going to leave again, he just like becomes super sullen. And it talks about how it like bleeds through the house like a disease. Well, I mean, he is causing everybody else to be in that house. Yeah. But it's like when he leaves um, and escorts um, Harry and them to um, the Hogwarts Express at the beginning. Against everyone's recommendation. (laughs) And against every, yeah, again, Dumbledore said he shouldn't do it, but he does. He gets recognized by Lucius Malfoy, even though in the book he never t- turns back into his human form. No, he's a dog. He stays the whole time. in dog form the whole time, but he gets recognized at, by Lucius Malfoy dropping off Draco, and Draco keeps hinting at it to Harry, mm-hmm. and making it pretty clear that like crap, like he was noticed. The Daily Prophet reports that like there's been news and rumors that Black is in London, and. Sirius blows it off and is all like, when's your next Hogsmeade's trip? Because he pops up in the fire, right? More than once, might I add. In the movie, it only happens once. But well, and he book, almost gets caught. Exactly. That's a big thing. That's what I was about to get to that. Yeah. Um, so he, he's like, when's your next Hogsmeade trip? Like, we got away with it last year, blah, blah. And Harry and Hermione are both like, no. Like, you were recognized like Malfoy's made it really clear that you were recognized. Like we can't risk that again. And then Sirius gets all hurt about it. And Harry's like, it's not that I don't want to see you. I do, but I don't want you getting caught and thrown back in Azkaban. Well, a big and thing. And then Sirius is all, you're less like your dad than I thought. 
James would have thought that the risk was part of the fun. And well, because Molly Weasley in the beginning is like, remember, like, this is Harry. This isn't James. Like, you don't have your best friend back. It's a different person. Like, you need to remember that. And Sirius is like, I remember blah, blah, blah. But then in that scene, he's like, oh, I guess you're not your dad. Like, you're not like your dad. And you're like, come on, You're Sirius. not as much like your dad as I thought you were. And it's like a cheap dig at Harry. Because but again, Sirius is stuck in a house going stir crazy. Something we can all and he was, relate to. Yeah, especially right now, right? He couldn't leave his house for months. He was going a little crazy. I get it. <laughs> um, but then the second time he pops up in the fire. Um... He, like, stops talking mid-sentence, looks over to his right, disappears, and then suddenly Umbridge's hand appears. And you can recognize it because earlier when they, in the book, when they describe what she looks like, they talk about all of these, like, ugly, ornate rings that she wears. On her stubby little fingers. that's what they see. And so, and Harry and Ron and everyone, like, freak out and leave, right? They also discover that Umbridge has been, um... That's also when they discover that Umbridge has been intercepting Harry's mail. Yeah, so Hedwig gets all letters hurt. to Sirius anymore because Hedwig gets hurt. It's so sad. She tried to intercept it. But yeah, so that's a big thing that I'm that I'm like, okay, like she almost catches Sirius in that moment. Hold on, I'm going through my notes again here. Um the whole scene um with explaining the family tree and and why he, like, hates the house and doesn't like his mother and mm-hmm. how James's family took him in. And it's like there's just a lot of a lot more exposition there that I think really plays into why, like, Sirius was chosen as his godfather and yeah, why he cares well, so much. Well, because he ran and, away from home. He lived with the Potters, mm-hmm. which they like, kind of touch on, but. Yeah, it's not that they don't talk about it at all, but. Um, Not the same depth. Yeah. And his interactions with Creature kind of explain more about like, it's just, again, he talks about how it's just a further reminder of how much of like his childhood and he hated his living in that house and his family. And again, we kind of already touched on when he talks about his family tree, those details of. Yeah, there's these other black marks and those are other people that got disowned because they were blood traitors, quote unquote. Right. And that's when he kind of mentions Tonks Mm -hmm. and there's another person I can't remember that we know, like in the story that's also somehow related to him. And he also goes into how like all purebloods are basically related in some way. Like I'm related to Arthur. He's like my 10th cousin once removed and Molly is my blah, blah, blah. Like, um, and he talks a little bit more too about how his family is related with the Malfoys Mm -hmm. and intertwined there. Um, talks about Bellatrix's husband Mm -hmm. who was also in, Azkaban with her so when she gets broken out her husband does too that's why her last name isn't the same as black it's because she is now married strange because she got married um yes, yes. there's Somebody also there's married that nine, crazy person there's nine death eaters that break out of Azkaban and it's way better explained ten. in the book there's ten. Oh, ten. sorry mm-hmm. that break out and it's way better explained in the book it's not just like this weird explosion thing 
Yeah. Well, and then at the end, I mean, there's 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 a bunch more. Mm-hmm. Just in in general, the biggest thing is just the characterization and his personality doesn't match between the book and the movie. But mm-hmm. then at the end, Bellatrix doesn't just pop up out of nowhere and kill Sirius. No. Sirius and Bellatrix are dueling. They're like Dumbledore shows up, right? Dumbledore shows up during Dumbledore's this Dumbledore's there for part. like the whole thing, He's, by the he's way. like there for the whole thing. He doesn't pop up right at the end when Harry is, you know, by himself in like the main hall of the yeah. ministry. But... Most of the dueling and fighting has basically stopped because Dumbledore was there and he's really strong and stopped a bunch of them. And then the rest kind of stopped because they saw him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the last like couple, the last duel to not really notice the new visitors, you know, of Dumbledore was Sirius and Bellatrix still dueling. And it talks about how Sirius is kind of like laugh, right? Because they're cousins. He's known her since he was a kid. Yeah. And he's kind of, you know, being haughty and cocky. The Cheeky. Like he, that's, that's Sirius's personality, right? And he's mm-hmm. laughing and he's all like, what? That's the best you can do. Blah, blah, blah. As he like blocks another one of her strikes. And it's during that like cockiness kind of thing that she strikes him in the chest and they were fighting in front of the veil, right? But Harry's not right next to him. Uh-uh. He's kind of further across the room watching this happen. And Sirius falls through the veil. And then Lupin does grab him and stop him. But it's, yeah. it's not like Sirius... I don't know. I don't like how in the movie it's like... Harry and Sirius fighting together, and he's all like, "Nice one, James!" And then out of the blue, yeah, Bellatrix it was a weird one. And kills him. Like it's just, it's just. Yes, in the book, Sirius, you do see like he's living vicariously a bit through Harry mm-hmm. and trying to like hold on to the memory of his best best friend through Harry. Yes, that's true. But he's not so delusional that he actually thinks Harry is his father. <laughs> like, No. I mean, it still makes me sad. I watch the movie and Sirius dies. I still cry a little bit. <laughs> like, I still don't like it. It still makes me sad. But, but I will say um, it's definitely it's definitely sadder when you've read the books because you have a, you know, a better understanding of who Sirius is. He's relationship been more involved. And- yeah. And so it's definitely a lot sadder. Well, because, again, it also it, this extends kind of from one of the things I talked about in our last episode with book four, where Sirius isn't in the third one, not really around. And then suddenly in this fifth one, like Sirius has been there for Harry since he escaped. Basically, yeah, so it's it's since much they more discover that relationship intense. at the end of the third one. Like, they are writing each other constantly. He pops up in the fire from time to time. He sneaks out and, you know, like, the books really build that relationship so that this death. Whoops, I just hit my microphone. Sorry, I talk with my hands. (laughs) This death hits really hard if you really understand the relationship there. Yes. And in the movies, they don't quite build it that way. Still sad, but doesn't. Well, and then at the end, towards the end of the book, Harry has this conversation with Nearly Headless Nick about 
he asks him, he runs and finds him and he's like, is there any chance that Sirius could become like became a ghost? And nearly mm-hmm. Heather Snake is like, no, most wizards like learned wizards don't decide to do that. Like they just move on. And Harry's so upset because he felt like Sirius was his last essentially parental figure. And now well, even he he's even gone. says to Hermione, like he's the last family I have left. Yeah. And he was like hoping yeah. maybe he'd become a ghost or anything like that. And there's a whole thing with the, the two way mirror that Sirius gives him. That Sirius has one mirror, Harry has another, and they can use it to communicate, but Harry never mm-hmm. uses it out of just, like, not wanting to, you know. He's like, afraid. He doesn't want yeah. to get Sirius caught. And then he finds it again at the bottom of his trunk towards the end, and he tries to contact Sirius so desperately, and he's just so sad about it. And it's a very dramatic and very depressing scene, in all honesty. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just... Oh, it was a lot more. Walk in? Yes, he did. <laughs> He's having a coughing fit. Um, we have husbands interrupting us this episode this week. Yeah, it's one of those weeks. Um, but yeah, I feel like Sirius's death in the book is just so much more potent and sad, and the movie just doesn't portray it very well. I try to. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's not like it doesn't still hit you with sadness, but yeah, not not the same. Yeah be better mm-hmm. all righty okay um, finally my number one so i want to talk about really the entire department of mysteries you know expedition scenes everything book versus mm-hmm. movie so in the book first of all there's the fact that when harry has the whole dream thing and hermione and ron are like we don't really know if that's, you know, that could be Voldemort baiting you. And so they do end up using Umbridge's fireplace because it's the only flu system that's still set up um, in Hogwarts. One that's not monitored Yeah, the same way. So yeah. they do end up contacting Grimmauld Place, but it's Creature who answers on the other side. And Creature straight up lies Mm. and says that Sirius isn't there, even though he is. And so it's really sad that, I mean, Creature's kind of like the reason that Sirius died in a way. Um, But they totally left that out. Yep. And so it just seems like they go off on this adventure. Because they do go through the effort to try and double check it. Yes, they do. They want to make sure before they go run off. So that's the first thing. And then they get there and it's not like they just run in and then boom, it's the room of prophecies. Like they actually, they go through a lot of different rooms. Weird, weird, like like brains. So there's the brain room, which is very intense because Ron gets attacked by one of the brains. And then Mm -hmm. he actually has scars from it for the rest of the series. These tentacle, like, you know, swirling scars going up his arm that he had like up around his chest and they never go Mm -hmm. away. And it's that was a huge scene with Ron that totally got cut. There's the death chamber with the veil split up Mm -hmm. when the Death Eaters show up. Yeah, which they did kind of show, but not really. But not really, because in the book, yeah, when they get split up, they 
they basically go into different parts of this department of yeah Mysteries. there's like the space, space chamber which is like yeah this essentially like replica of the galaxy there's the time room where there's like a bunch of time turners and stuff like that there's um the chamber with the veil like the death mm-hmm. chamber and then there's the room of prophecies and there's a bunch of other rooms too that they don't even go into but, like, the Department of Mysteries is a lot of different rooms where a lot of different stuff happens. Yeah, it's a it's a full department. It's not yes. just a room. <laughs> and so I wish that they had at least... Well, and they also talk a little bit, too, in the book about how the people who work there in the ministry are called unspeakables. Yes. Because they're all a little weird and funny because they can't talk about any of the stuff they do in mm-hmm. that department. Yeah. And so... I wish even in the movie, if they had just like shown the different rooms, like during the fighting, it would have been cool to see the different stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of bummed. There was a lot that went on there that I could go into that I don't, you know, I'm going to cut it short for time. But that was missing a lot. Then, like well, we mentioned in, before. In a positive light, though, just real quick. Something I think they did get really right with what the ministry looks like is like the fountain. Yeah, the ministry itself like that, looks that really that good. That main hall, like again, the setting department did really good there. But mm-hmm. and like the phone booth, to, getting in through the phone mm-hmm. booth, and like the long hall with the door and stuff, and the archway and the veil itself. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot more to the department that they should have included and didn't. Yeah. Um, so then, moving past that, um, they get to the part where Dumbledore, I mean, Dumbledore again showed up way earlier than mm-hmm. before. But they're all trying to get all the kids out, essentially. Harry hands yeah. Neville the prophecy, Neville fumbles it, drops it, and breaks it. So it's actually yeah, Neville they don't that ever breaks give it. it. They never give it to Malfoy. No. They would never. And then when Harry is attacking Bellatrix, there's no like weird Voldemort talking in his brain kind of stuff. Right. Again, the way they decided to try and show the connection between Harry and Voldemort is never explained. It's, it isn't even really shown very well. It's no. just. So it's actually Bellatrix who says like you like you can't do the Cruciatus curse because you don't like you don't mean it. Essentially, she basically eggs him on. Yeah, she baits him to do it on her herself. It's so weird. Yeah, she's so crazy. And then Voldemort Actually, shows though, up. Helena Bonham Carter, fantastic. Oh, strange. she's like, so she good at Bellatrix. Such a good Bellatrix. But <laughs> so, anyways, then Voldemort shows up. They're still trying to get the prophecy because they don't realize that it's been broken. Right. Yeah. Then there's the whole fight with Dumbledore. Dumbledore enchants that giant golden statue to jump in front of Harry at one point. There's another point where Fox comes in and swallows an Avada Kedavra curse and then, like, immediately bursts into flames and then, like, comes out as a little baby. (laughs) Which is fun. Like, there's just a lot more to that fight. And, like, the fight scene was cool in the movie, but it's not what happened in the book. Still cool. Yeah, like I said, still cool. Like, like, Like you said. But yeah. And and it's funny, it's like you've mentioned in previous where it's like you already had to do CGI for that scene. So why did so you change why it? Why change it? 
Fuck. Yeah. You already had to do CGI to do the weird water bubble. Yeah. And the glass. The, the glass and stuff. Why not instead do the CGI to make the statue move like in the fountain and... Yeah. And then that whole yeah. dream sequence is a trip. When like Voldemort possesses him. It's weird. I, I, I mean, do I even need to mention it again? <laughs> <laughs> it's just. So it's moving past that, they. So well, another weird. thing is when Voldemort disapparates, that's when he takes Bellatrix with him. There's no like pushing her into the fireplace and she goes away no, that looks really cool it looked dope <laughs> it but did not look how it really happened cool, but that is not how it happened <laughs> um so then they get back to the school and i know this is kind of drifting off department of mysteries but i'm gonna roll um <laughs> harry's <laughs> super ticked at dumbledore breaks a bunch of stuff in his office as he should and well, dumbledore's like breaking things go but i it. feel like he should be mad <laughs> mm-hmm and Dumbledore's like, Again, yeah, go Dumbledore's for it. not characterized right either. No. <laughs> Dumbledore lets him, like, get out his aggression because he gets it. He's like, yeah, I haven't been fair to you. I'm sorry about that. His explanation of the prophecy and everything, so much longer in the book. You learn about how Neville could have been the chosen one. Mm-hmm. Like, because Harry and Neville. Because they have the same birthday. Yeah. They like and their parents both fought against Voldemort. They were both in Dumbledore or not Dumbledore's army, the original Order of the Phoenix. Like mm-hmm. and the reason that Voldemort chose Harry is because he was a because his mom was uh muggle-born. And so he was a bit like he was like, ah, oh, he's like half blood, kind of like me, and like, you know, stuff like that. And so he picked Harry, and at that point the prophecy became about Harry. Up until that point, they weren't sure. Which is why, also, um, in the Department of Mysteries, in the in the movie, right, they go, Harry, why does this prophecy have your name on it? And in the book, you clearly see that the original name of the prophecy is, like, the initials of Trelawney, because Trelawney is the one that gave, that gave the prophecy. Mm-hmm. The, and it says the initials of Trelawney to initials of um, Dumbledore. And then it says about... Lord Voldemort and question mark, question mark, Harry Potter. Yeah. Because at first they didn't know (laughs) who the boy would be. And then it became Harry Harry Potter. So like Mm -hmm. Voldemort really chose his own demise. He chose his fate. (laughs) Um, It also, he also explains why Harry. I remember when the book came out, like I remember when. That was like a big thing. And the seventh book hadn't come out yet. And everyone was like, maybe it's going to be Neville instead, blah, blah, blah. And it's where they didn't really understand that. It's mm-hmm. like, no, Voldemort had already picked like. Yeah. And like Neville in the can't movie. Suddenly be the, but Neville's still awesome. In the movie, they really emphasize the like neither can live while the other survives. And they really focus on that, which it's important. Mm-hmm. But like there's a lot more to the prophecy. There's a lot more. Yeah. It's talked about. And Dumbledore gives a full on explanation. And then he Which also is why Voldemort wanted it. Mm-hmm. And then he also explains why Harry has to stay with the Dursleys. Which, I mean, I totally I think is an ex- important explanation because from the movie perspective, you're like, why does he keep going back there? Like, they're the worst. 
why doesn't he just go back to Grimmauld Place or go to the borough or whatever? And it explains because Petunia is Lily's sister and Lily died to save Harry and they have the same blood, like some of mm-hmm. Lily's protection is still on that house. Remains. Yeah. So while he's there, Voldemort can't touch him. And so you're like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. And it just, it explains a lot. So there's a little bit of explanation, too, in the first one. When Mm -hmm. McDonald's like, why here? And Dumbledore gives a little bit of an explanation then. But yeah, he gives a lot more detail in this one. Well, and at the beginning of this one, when Harry's getting all the owls saying, like, you've been expelled. Just kidding. We're going to give you a hearing. Don't do anything stupid. Like all of those. Petunia gets a howler that says, like, remember, like, my last. Remember my last is what it says. And it's referring to the letter that Dumbledore wrote to Petunia the with, like, the night he left Harry there. About how, like, she needs to. And Petunia's like, okay, he can stay. Because Uncle Vernon wants to kick him out. Mm -hmm. And so Petunia's like, no, he has to stay. And so that's why he's allowed to stay. And Harry's like, who is that letter from? And she's like, never knew mind. Like, and it's from Dumbledore. And Dumbledore was like, no, you cannot kick him out. Like, you know, he has to stay. Which is, I'm nodding my head. You can't see me nodding my head. I'm nodding my head. I keep forgetting I have to talk. (laughs) Um, Yeah, which gets, you know, there's. Maybe not so much in the movies, but in the books, you do get a little bit more info and stuff on that relationship and Petunia. And uh-huh. For whatnot. sure. So. All right. So there you For go. For time's sake. We got to move on. But I agree with you. Yep. For fan faux pas, again, um, we ask questions on our social media leading up to each episode for you to respond to and you could be features and featured in the podcast or you can send us an email at tbwbpodcast at gmail.com but this week for fan faux pas we just have one and it's from sierra w and she said one thing that i hate in the movies is Ginny. She's so boring and kind of weird, whereas Book Ginny is amazing in such a strong female role. 100%. Yes. She's not really given much of a personality in the movies. Yeah, she's, she's so blah. so awesome in the books. Not to mention that she's in the books a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Yeah, and I mean, I don't blame... The actress, again, they didn't give her a whole lot no, to yeah, work with. No, it's not with. Bonnie's fault. But I really, and I will go into this a lot more in the next episode because book six is when she really, like, comes to be almost a main character. And I have a lot of thoughts and feelings on that one that I'll go into later. But I was going to say, we'll totally talk more agree. about Ginny later. But <laughs> yeah, in this one, like, when you read the book, she's in a lot of it. She's got some great lines she gives some good like advice she's an amazing she's the fighter one that comes up with the dumbledore's army name mm-hmm. it's Ginny. Ginny comes up with it <laughs> yeah and so i just wish that you were able to see how awesome she is because i feel like a lot of people watch the movies and they're like why did harry end up with Ginny? like 
that doesn't make any sense. And then when you read the books, you're like, oh, yeah, never mind. That makes sense. <laughs> She's super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we couldn't agree more with you there. Mm-hmm. I think we just have one last thing to do. Yeah. That's the uh, most important question. Was the book better? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one especially. The fifth one is rough. I love. I mean, not as rough as the last one was. No. But. But I love the fifth book. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. And I it's one of my favorite books really too. don't like the movie. <laughs> the third and fifth ones are my favorites and they both have Sirius in them. Yeah. I guess Sirius is one of my favorite characters, but. But I do. It's, uh, I do appreciate the movie for what it is. It's good, mm-hmm. but book is way better. Still cool. Still has cool sequences, and it still tells the story that it needs to tell. Mm-hmm. And we understand that there's time constraints, like you mentioned earlier, with these longer books. You just can't get as much into the movies. Um, but. The, the the books are definitely better. Yeah. So, again, if you haven't before and you've only seen the movies, I recommend you read the books because mm-hmm. they're pretty dang awesome. So you can also this was my first time listening to this book and it was very enjoyable. I told you, Jim Dale, he does he a good job. He's so good <laughs> at it. And so if you're not much of a reader, try listening to the audiobook. It's pretty good. And it you can change the speed on it. It's true. I listen to it at two times the speed. <laughs> so if you don't want to listen to how many hours does it say? It's a long it's a lot. Like, it's like 16, 16 hours. 17 hours. Yeah. No, that's how much I had remaining at one point. I think total, it's like a day's worth of listening. Yeah, it might be 24. You don't want to listen to a full day's worth of book reading? Speed it up. Okay. Yeah, double time. <laughs> as long as you can still understand what he's saying. There you go. Okay, well, but that was Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Join us next time in two weeks to talk about the Half-Blood Prince. We're getting down. We've only got three more Harry Potter, so if you are not super into Harry Potter. Don't worry, we're almost out of this. <laughs> we will be continuing onward. We've been asking for opinions and feedback again on our social media platforms about what book you want us to do after this. Um, quite a few votes for Hunger Games. Quite a few votes for the Twilight series. Surprisingly. Um, so you can continue to send in your recommendations and opinions on what we should do next um but until then we will see you not really but talk to you next time (laughs) about the half-blood prince so until then Goodbye. goodbye